good morning, everyone. It's lovely to uh, see you. I think you are allowed to say good morning back. I think, I think that's okay with COVID regulations. Um, if, you're, if you've not been around for a few weeks, you're not aware, we are working our way through Paul's letter to the Ephesians found in our Bibles. Um, and then what we've discovered is it's not just Paul's letter to the Ephesians, but he's included um, other Christians, other believers in that letter. So it's also Paul's letter to us. And if you want to write the words and me in your Bible next to Ephesians, that's fine. You go right ahead. It's your Bible. But this letter, it's full of these, um, these incredible truths about who we are in Christ. And that's one of Paul's favourite little phrases that he uses time and time again, in Christ. And we've discovered that we've been chosen in him before the creation of the world. We've discovered that we've been adopted to sonship and daughtership, that we've received grace and redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness for our sins. Every wrong thing that we've ever done has been taken care of on the cross. He tells us that we've been given um, wisdom and and understanding that, that God has been revealed to us and that we have his Holy Spirit, which Paul describes as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, our glorious inheritance. And through his Holy Spirit, we can know God and we can know the joy that we have in Christian community, the joy that we have together. And we um, have his power also at work in our lives. The same power, he says, that raised Christ from the dead. And he says that that power is at work in us to raise us to new life as well. And we're told that we have been, um, uh, no one has been excluded That's another thing he talks about, how everybody has been brought near, everyone has been brought close to God, that we're all members of his household, that Jesus is our cornerstone, that his spirit lives within us. We have learned a lot. It's been a real busy couple of chapters. And to be honest, that's probably enough, isn't it? I could probably just leave the the sermon there. I mean, I won't, but I probably could. There's so much in it. If you're ever wondering where worship leaders get their kind of inspiration for some of their songs, then I would just suggest rereading chapters 1 and 2 of Ephesians again. And in fact, even in your, your quiet times and your readings this week, um, I would suggest just go and read it through again. Read it slowly. Just allow some of those truths to kind of sink in because there's some incredible stuff in there. This morning, though, we're going to be moving on to chapter 3. And we're going to be tackling chapter 3 over two weeks, as we have been with the first couple of chapters. Um, And we're going to read today verses 1 through to 13. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please find Ephesians chapter 3 or whatever you prefer to use, your apps or what have you. And we'll get the words up on screen as well as we go. So this is what he writes. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely... You've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it's now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets." This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, although I am less than the least of all God's people. This grace was given me 
to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith In him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. What an interesting passage of scripture. Full of lots of big words, lots of big theological ideas that Paul seems to really love. He starts, doesn't he, by mentioning that he is a prisoner. He says, I, Paul, I, Paul, the prisoner for the sake of you Gentiles. And Paul was actually at this time under house arrest in Rome while he was awaiting his trial under Caesar. It was a privilege afforded to him because of his Roman citizenship. And actually we can read about this in the book of Acts chapter 28 where it says this. It says, we, um, and that's the we is Luke who wrote the book of Acts Um, a guy called Aristarchus and a Roman centurion called Julius who was guarding Paul at the time. He says, when we um, got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. That meant that he was free to kind of move around in the day and he could welcome people into the house and see people, but at night he was chained to this guard. He continues, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance. What an interesting thing for Luke to say, because Paul was kind of, like in his heart of hearts, he was a missionary, He loved to to travel around and to tell people about Jesus. He traveled all over the Mediterranean, setting up churches and taking the gospel message out there. But now he was was stuck in Rome. He wasn't able to go anywhere. Sort of beginning to sound a bit like our past year, isn't it? Paul was essentially in lockdown. But just because he was forced to remain in Rome, it didn't stop him. It didn't prevent him from being productive for the kingdom. Just because his circumstances had changed, his situation had changed, he was still productive for Jesus. He wrote letters like Ephesians, which of course we're reading now, but also Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, all found in our Bible, all available to us now. He led Onesimus to faith and he encouraged those people that were there with him. In fact, he writes in Philippians 1, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it's become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. This lockdown, this this forced stop, this imprisonment, it's actually helped. People are actually learning now more about Jesus. It's interesting, even in Ephesians here, verse 1, he doesn't say that he's a prisoner of Rome or that he's a prisoner of Caesar. He says that he's a prisoner of Jesus. Just because Paul's circumstances had changed, it didn't prevent him from remaining faithful to the call that God had placed on his life. And in fact, that call was the most significant thing to Paul. Again, in Acts, Luke records Paul saying, I consider my life worth nothing to me. 
My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And that's exactly what he did. Despite being under house arrest, he was a faithful witness. And I'm so pleased that he was, because if he hadn't, we wouldn't have had these incredible letters in our Bible. And as I was reflecting on this earlier in the week, I was thinking about our own forced lockdown, our own forced stop over the past year. And actually, all of the incredible things that we have seen come out of that time as a church. We've had some amazing new worship come out of this season, haven't we, from Aid and Becky and the, and the band here and, and Steph and Dave just producing these new songs for us to enjoy online and take us through, carry us through this season. We've been able to, to reach out in new ways, our, our online presence, the fact that we now broadcast our entire services live on YouTube and that people have joined us through those services that may never have found us before. How incredible is that? And some of these um, new things that we've been hearing about in the interviews these past few weeks have all come out of this time, this forced stop that we had. And you know, when things go wrong, when our, our, our entire world changes around us, I think it's the easiest thing for us to sort of bemoan our situation, isn't it? To say, oh, woe is me, it's, it's all gone wrong. Throw our hands in the air and sort of long for the good old days, as it were. But I think what is better is to look for that opportunity. Paul didn't see his imprisonment as a hindrance, more just a different mission field. In fact, he says in verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are for your glory. What an amazing, amazing statement. He could have used his incarceration as an excuse and said, well, clearly that's it. God's done with me now, isn't he? He doesn't want me to do traveling anymore, so it's all over. But instead, he recognised that God was going to continue to use him even there. And I wonder, when things go wrong for us, are we able to say the same? Do we say, you know what, I won't be discouraged because I know that God can use even this, even now, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this challenging circumstance, I know that God can use it. Or do we maybe post on Facebook looking for sympathy? You see, Paul's attitude towards his circumstance, it came from a lifelong journey of learning to trust God through every situation. A lifelong journey of learning to trust him in every situation. And I want to stay with that point this morning. I'm going to come back to that. But let me just back up for a minute because we've only actually covered verse 1 and verse 13 and there's a load of stuff in the middle. So what is Paul talking about here in Ephesians? Well, I think he's talking about what he saw as his calling from God, the things that God had called him to. He says in verse 2, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. The administration of God's grace. The uh, King James says the dispensation of grace. Other versions say stewardship, but Paul goes with administration, which I quite like. In verse 9 it says the administration of the mystery. And so if you are perhaps an admin worker this morning, and you've been feeling all these years that the Bible has left you out. It's all prophets and teachers and kings and rabbis. Well, this is your chance to shine. Paul was into admin. It's here in the Bible. He took what he received from God. He took the grace and he took the mystery and he made it available to all. But what is the mystery? What's this mystery that he's talking about? I don't know about you, I love a good mystery. I'm a big 
big fan of a mystery. My, my daughter, Emily, recently has got big into riddles. She keeps making up new ones and, and teasing my brain with them. What did she say to me last week? She said, um, what's uh, small but not small, um, waves but isn't the ocean? Anyone? Yeah, that was my reaction as well. Um, a microwave, apparently, is um, what that is. Yeah, welcome, welcome to my world. Um, but what about Paul's mystery? What was Paul's mystery? Um, I've got some props to help, actually. I'll just uh, get myself ready. Okay. What was Paul's mystery? Sort of like a hipster Sherlock Holmes was the vibe I'm going for. No? Okay. We'll go for it anyway. Well, he says in verse 3, This mystery is made known to him by revelation, and that he's already written about it briefly, which is probably a reference to chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. So that's our first clue, okay? Then in verse 4 he says, in reading this you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Clue number 2, it's got something to do with Jesus. And then in verse 5 he explains the mystery has been hidden in the past but has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, which he's already mentioned again in chapter 2 verse 20, clue number 3. And then finally in verse 6 we get the big reveal. The mystery, he says, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heir together with Israel, members together of one body, and share together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Boom. Paul had figured it out. He'd figured out that with Jesus, everybody is in. The promise is for everyone, which, I mean, is wonderful, right? But as far as mystery reveals go, it's maybe not very satisfying because I don't know about you, but if you've read any kind of good mystery novels or you've seen any good mystery movies, it's not enough just to have the answer. We need to know, how did we get here? How did we solve the mystery? How did Paul actually figure all of this out? So don't worry, I'm going to take this off. Like any good detective, I've done a bit of digging around for you about how Paul arrives at these conclusions. Um, And to get there, we need to dip back into the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 9. Remember that Acts was written by Luke. Um, Luke was a travelling companion of Paul, so he's a good person to turn to for figuring this out. And we read about how in Paul's early days, he was not a big fan of those that decided to follow Jesus. Anyone, um, any Jewish person particularly, that claimed that Jesus was the Messiah, that said they were following Jesus, he would round up and put in prison. That was until he had his own spiritual encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. There was a a bright light, so bright, in fact, that he was blinded and he had to spend um, some time with a guy called Ananias. And we read in Acts 9.15 that God told Ananias, This man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. So the plot thickens. It seems that Ananias was let in on the mystery. Did he just tell Paul and then and then Paul kind of got on with it well not quite you see Paul stayed in Damascus and he preached in the synagogues to the Jews um, but they weren't a big fan of what he had to say and they plotted to kill him and so he ran away to Jerusalem and in Jerusalem he met someone called Barnabas but his life was still under threat so he moved on again to a place called Tarsus and then later in Acts 11 Barnabas who'd been sent to Antioch went to fetch Paul from Tarsus and asked him to come and help him start a church over in Antioch, which he did for about a year. 
Fun fact, Antioch's where people first became called Christians. So that's interesting. Um, And then in Acts 13, while worshipping and fasting, some of the believers there got the sense that God wanted Paul and Barnabas to leave and start the work they'd been called to. Okay, so here we are. So this is maybe preaching to the Gentiles. It doesn't quite say that. But they pray for them. They send them off. They travel around for a bit. They have a really crazy encounter with a sorcerer. um, And they end up in another place called Pisidian Antioch, which was different from the first Antioch. Actually, from fact number two, there were 17 different cities in ancient Turkey called Antioch. So it's not confusing at all. Are you with me so far? Damascus, Jerusalem, Tarsus, Antioch, Pisidian Antioch. Okay. And in this Antioch, Paul preaches this killer sermon in the synagogue, like it's top-notch, real good. He uses all the kind of Jewish scriptures and the gospel message, and he puts them together, and loads of people kind of get interested. But then a load more people really don't like it, and they start to abuse him and Barnabas. And it says in Acts 13, verse 46, Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, but since you reject it and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life, We now turn to the Gentiles. Finally, it it seems that Paul has arrived at this mystery. He's he's figured it out. Or, you know, the message is for everyone, or at least those who choose to accept it. But from there, it gets even more complicated. There's further threats made against them from both Jews and Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas get mistaken for gods. Barnabas gets mistaken for Zeus, so presumably he had a big beard. Um, Paul gets nearly stoned to death. They get called to a special meeting in Jerusalem because no one knows what to do with the Gentiles now they're in. Paul gets shipwrecked. And as we know, very long story short, Paul ends up in prison. It's like the most convoluted plot of all time. No wonder Paul uses the word mystery. There's so many plots and twists and turns. And by the way, there's a lot I left out. But here's the thing. I think it's in the hardship and the struggle and the difficulties that the mystery of God was revealed to Paul. You see, if we just read those words in Ephesians, unaware of the journey that he went on, we might imagine that God simply told Paul what to do and he went about getting on with it like some simple administrative task. But of course, life isn't really like that, is it? It's messy and it's complicated and it's full of unexpected twists and turns. And, and sometimes life is going really, really well, really great. And other times it's, it's not going so well and it's really, really hard. Sometimes we're free to, to travel the world. Other times we're in lockdown. Sometimes living like and, and loving others like Jesus is the easiest thing in the world. Other times it's actually really, really hard. It's not a simple admin task. We are often left feeling confused and frustrated. And as I said earlier, I think Paul was able to write as he does in Ephesians because he had learned to trust God through all of these circumstances. The mystery of Christ was revealed to him as he went about living his life for him. I'll just say that again. The mystery of Christ was revealed to him as he went about living his life for him in the good times and the bad times, in the easy times and the difficult times. And I want you to know today that whatever situation you are facing, whatever you are going through at the moment, you can trust God. As Paul writes 
in his letter to the Romans, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And to be clear, that doesn't mean, nor has it ever meant, that things will always be good or that things will always even be easy. They never were for Paul, as we've seen. But it means that God can use every circumstance, every situation for good. It's what enabled Paul to say, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. I know it looks bad, guys. I know the situation looks bleak. I'm here, I'm stuck, I'm in prison. I understand how how difficult this looks. But don't be discouraged because God is going to use it. Even now, even in this tough time, he's going to use it. Even when he was being chased from city to city, he never gave up on the calling that God had placed on his life. Even when both Jews and Gentiles rejected his message, he never stopped speaking about Jesus. Even when he was under house arrest, he knew that God would still use him to reveal his message, the mystery to the world. And so, what about us? Well, we might not be under house arrest anymore, or fleeing for our lives, or being mistaken for God's, or any of the crazy things that happened to Paul, but maybe things are complicated nonetheless. Maybe things are difficult right now. Maybe you're feeling a bit discouraged today, and you're just saying to God, what, what is going on? God, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this tough situation now? Where are you in all of this? I don't understand. I would just encourage you today that you can trust him even now. That, in fact, you may even find that it's in the difficulties, it's in the hardship, it's in the tough times that you get to know God better. That that mystery is revealed a little bit more to you. Because, you know, just like Paul, God has placed a calling on all of our lives. That wasn't a special thing for Paul. In fact, Paul himself said a few weeks ago, didn't he? You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's placed a calling on all of our lives. And so you can hold on to him. You can continue to do your best to live for him and to seek him in the mess, in whatever situation you find yourself in. And he will see you through. I wonder if the um, guys would just come and join me. I want to finish by um, praying for you this morning. It's interesting, isn't it? In this passage, Paul goes on in verse 10 to talk about the church. And he said that the wisdom of God has now been revealed through the church. And sometimes we can get it into our heads that we're going through things, we're facing situations on our own, that it's only us, that everybody else has got it easy, that, that we're the one that's going through this tough time. But God calls us together, he brings us together. This whole letter, Paul has been talking about unity, hasn't he, in coming together, because together the mystery is revealed. Together we get to experience God. And so if you are in that place this morning where, you know what, things are a bit difficult, don't be afraid to speak up and share it. To speak to these people here this morning or to to get in touch with us through the week, because we're in this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this example this morning that we have in Paul. Of someone who, even when life got really difficult, of even when he found himself in lockdown, in prison, unable to go anywhere, 
He continued to trust you. He continued to remain faithful to the work that you had called him to. He continued to look for ways to reach out and care for those around him and continued to look for ways to share the gospel message with others. And Father, for any of us here today, any of us at home today who are maybe just feeling that they're in a really difficult place, that maybe the things they felt they once had have gone and, and, and now they're not sure what's left. God, I pray that you would just remind them that even now you are going to continue to use them. Even now you are with them. Even now you will see them through to the other side. God, I thank you that you work all things for good. Not that things are good or easy, but that you can change and use and redeem every situation and every circumstance that we face in life for your glory and our benefit. And God, I pray that you would help us to hold on to that truth today. Jesus name.